Blog Talk Radio. Here we go. Hi, Marilyn. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there everyone, this is Phil Lewis, this is MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister Marcia Joyce, and this will be so cool. We have four of my favorite, amazing mystery writers on this program to teach you what you need to know about mystery writers and thrillers. We've got Bruce Coffin, Marilyn Levinson, David Putnam, I just emailed him, I hope he comes in, and Tim Ahrens, and welcome to, this is going to be fun, mystery writers are the best. So, one thing about your writing, and I'm so grateful, is that you write something different every single time, and then your characters don't put me to sleep with just the same character with a new plot. This really does help a lot. (laughs) And the other thing that I like is that you don't write in voices. This voice is one, this is two, oh, you can lose your mind. So when creating the main theme or the plot for a new novel, how do you decide on the main reason for the murder in your mystery thriller? Bruce? How do you decide with John Bryan or anything else that you're writing? Uh, you know, I think it's just a what if for me. Uh, I like <laughs> to explore different ideas. For the second, uh-huh. uh, a great example, I think, is for the second novel, which was uh, Beneath the Depths, I wanted to be able to show mm-hmm. the reader how hard it is for detectives to, to uh, stay focused and gear up when the victim of the homicide is somebody that mm. nobody likes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you don't get to pick and choose your victims. So I thought it would be interesting to explore that. And uh, it actually ended up being somebody that, that uh, was really despised by my main character. And uh, it's, it was an interesting ride. I can give you a whole bunch of people for your next one. I'm serious. <laughs> for real. What could I say? Tim, what about you? How do you? I mean, your characters are really dark. They're so cool, though. But I still like William. Um, I always tend to try to take the attitude, um, I can't remember his name, but the, of the director of uh, Kong's Gun Skull Island. I don't know if anyone saw that movie or not. But um, he came up with a great, uh, great idea that I always try to follow is, what haven't you seen? Mm. Um, so I always, when I set up a, a new character, a new new novel, I always try to think to myself, what haven't you seen out there yet? <laughs> wow, that's scary. And Marilyn, you're, you're really creative with Carrie because Carrie, every time she gets into something, I like I can't put the book down and I get I get eye strain because I never know what you're going to do. So how do you decide on what Carrie's going to get into, and the and the main reason for the murder? Because there's always a good murder in your books. Marilyn, is that you? That's weird. I can't hear her. I know she's there. Marilyn, can you hear me? I don't know. Her line is there, and I see that she's there. Okay, what is the main reason that a person is the target of the murder? How do you decide who you're going to kill? 
I don't know why they're saying hold, but I didn't hold her. Hold on, let me do this again, and let me do this again. Uh, Marilyn, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Fran, can you hear me? Now I can. I was like, oh, my God, don't do this to me. Wait, no, because I... one, of the, one of the hosts yesterday, um, she did a show, and then it just deleted itself. Well, so Marilyn, can... Should I be speaking on the phone? I don't remember. Should I be speaking on the phone? I am. Um, Let me try a different phone, okay? No, I can hear you. I can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can hear you, Marilyn. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) I I always have two storylines, so I don't always pick the person who's disliked the most. But um, (laughs) I I, I do pick a person, of course, and then I, I have more than one. What I do change, I must admit, and I've done this at least twice, the murderer, and that's always fun. Um, you know, I, I, I'm writing the book, and ha- I'm going halfway through the book, and I decide to change the murderer. Have any of you had that experience? That's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I guess um, the, the murderer just um, has something to do with having done something bad, and often the reason why the person is murdered has something to do with the past as well. That makes it even good. But how do you decide the person that you want to kill? You see, and I could, like I said, I could give you a whole bunch of people for your next book, people. I'll give you a list <laughs> of who I want to kill off. <laughs> so what is the main reason that the person is the target? And the cool part is how do you decide to get rid of them? Um, well, that's 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 really difficult for me, considering um, I tend to fall mm-hmm. in love with all my characters. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I have to have to eliminate one, it's it's really hard because I know that uh, the audience isn't going to like it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I think I that's why people pick the person who's not liked, the character who's not liked. Yeah. Um, well, Marilyn, so, you killed yeah, I... a few that I thought I liked, sort of, maybe not. <laughs> not not too much. I did get rid of one nasty character. Yeah. Yeah. Um I yeah, you don't want to you don't want to I hate when they kill off a main character. I stopped reading yeah, no. um a series because they killed off somebody's wife and I I really didn't like that. The the, the um, you know, the the policeman's wife and I did not like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you how do you decide how to kill them? And when dealing with the main character, how, do, how does the main character become part of the investigation? Well, my, my character is a an amateur sleuth, and um, usually she knows the person. Um, she works in the library, and either the person has done a presentation or um, it's somebody who works in the library. So mm. there's always a personal connection, and that's and in, in a cozy, that's very important. That that the um, initial murder should um, bring the uh, sleuth in in a very personal way. Well, uh, Bruce, how do you decide how you're going to kill the character? I mean, because your main character is a is a police officer, so how do you decide yeah. you know what character you're going to kill off? And of course. Sometimes you just don't. You just want to kill off a whole bunch of them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it really just goes toward what it is that you're trying to to establish with that book. I feel like, for me, every one of the books have been different in that I am trying to 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 make some other point. Like I, 
you know, the the, uh, the mm. killer may may be operating on you know your typical things like you know greed or or uh, revenge or or any of those types of things, lust, whatever it is. But I I also want to be able to show the um, the toll that that takes on the investigators. So depending on who the victim is, the experience, the uh, emotions experienced by the investigators, John Byron and the rest of the team will be entirely different. And I. And sometimes it's fun, too, if you can intertwine what's happening on the case with what mm-hmm. is happening in their personal lives. Kind of an that, echo. That makes, that makes it really better. But you know what I, I, I like is that when your books and in most, not every uh, thriller, mystery thriller that's written by police, about police, well, you have personal experience. I hate when they make the police corrupt or bad. That drives me crazy. Or stupid. Uh, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, I but just, the people are fallible. I mean, it it, it does happen. Um, I that's know. Why, well, I mean, it's realistic. I, I was, I was re- supposed to interview somebody last week, and unfortunately, he got beeped by the court. <laughs> He's Oops. one of the top criminal defense attorneys in the world, and he was wrongly accused. And every uh, the judge, the the police, the detect- everybody was corrupt. He got framed by his friends, and I was so excited about interviewing him. Because that's a real story. But when you make the the police so bad, I was like, oh, my God, that, that's horrible. See, I don't believe in that. So when you begin your murder, do you set the scene for the murder? Does the murder come first in a prologue? Or do you wait till it happened in the middle of the book? How do you create your murder <clears throat> scene? My, my murders come around page 80. I, I like to get um, mm. my readers involved in the characters, in the story. And um, I know sometimes people say, oh, you must have the murder in the first chapter. This is for cozies I'm talking about. And I, I don't believe that, and it's, it's fine. So I, I like to work up to the, to work up to the murder. Um, I, always, I always introduce my villain first and then <laughs> um, have him act. He's, um, he's a psychopath, so um, it's, it's kind of fun to see his twisted psychology before he does a murder. But it's not very much longer after I introduce the, the villain that my murder takes place. And what about I you, tend to, Bruce? Uh, kind of I can't wait to get you I, new I book. oscillate between the two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I oscillate between the two. I, I, uh, I've had the the murders take place before the book even opens, mm. and so then the the body the body will be discovered as the kind of the opening part of it. And then I've also, um, as I mentioned in that second book, that was one that was sort of an outlier in that, um, as Tim just mentioned, I I actually went to the trouble of having to spend I think ten pages getting you to realize that the person who would ultimately be the victim was not a good person and so i needed the reader to have some quality time with them uh to mm. draw their own conclusions about who he was for that to land so um that but that's unusual to have one for me start that late in the book well i simply well, i have cold cases also so my mm. some of my murders occur even before the book begins right well do you ever find that that people like the villain do you ever find that people, after, when they meet the villain, they go, oh, my God, poor misunderstood guy. No wonder he did that. Not, I mean, not in my case. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say you're always supposed to have sympathy for every character, but I agree with you. <laughs> um, when you no, do, when I, you read Doug Pimpkin, trust me, you could, you would never find this guy um, <laughs> sad or, or, or misunderstood. Aww. No, I know. No, they're definitely not. But did you ever have? Nobody's ever written a book where the villain doesn't get caught, right? Oh I mean, yes. Like James oh, Patricia yes. Highsmith. Yeah. 
Of course. I mean, sometimes I know James Patterson. I don't meet him all the time. Um, sometimes he lets the villain get away until the next book. And it's like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> That's why um, no, Freddie pulls you along. Well, yeah, my, my accusations, the people were wrongly accused. Their voices were silent. Well, the last couple of stories, Tim knows they deserve what they got. Too bad. Yeah. What can I say? So do you put your main character in danger? If so, how? And how do you decide where the setting takes place and where, the, where you find the bodies? Because that's hard for people. I mean, if I wanted to write a murder mystery, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Well, you can just kill somebody off. But you want to make it credible. So how do you decide where the, where the murder takes place? And how do you decide where, where the body is found and who finds it? Well, I have been, many of my murders take place at night, and they're discovered um, early the next morning. Um, I had my main character actually actually um, run across um, Doug, my psychopath, by accident. <laughs> so um, he kind of ends up following him as a junior, as, a, as kind of like a, a um, sleuth junior detective sort of thing, and um, he runs into him in a park. <laughs> that that that's scary. So, Bruce, what's different about this new thing that you're writing? Is it a murder mystery? Murder uh, mysteries too? Th- yeah, there's there's definitely murder and there's definitely mystery elements. Um, it's it's fast paced. Uh, Lindy Walker and I uh, are co-writing a, a new series uh, with for Severn River, uh, and it's uh, adventure, treasure, murder, all that kind of stuff rolled into one. And I am. Uh, we're getting close, I think, to the first draft of, of book one, and mm. um, and then there'll be th- at least three more to follow that. So, kind Bruce, of excited to see place? if we can get that. Where does it Bruce, take place? Uh, it takes place. Kind of everywhere, yeah. everywhere, which is actually fun. And you know, the, the Byron good. novels have all really oh yeah yeah in, in Portland. So, this could be any place. There's a jet, so uh, we can get anywhere we need to go. Oh, that's that is fun. That that is, that is fun. Except that I've been reading too many books. You know that. And the la- the last couple of books, there, there's like so many settings. I had to do what I do as a reading specialist, and take out my graphic organizer so that I would know where, where everything was happening and where the characters were going. Because sometimes it gets a little overpowering and overwhelming. Yeah. Right. But I don't mess up. Don't worry about that. I never mess up <laughs> ever. No. Well, my so this I'm finishing up this series. I'm writing the eighth book in the series. I've decided to end it. And it always takes oh. place in, yeah, I know, I, I, I felt it was time. I felt that the story arc was mm-hmm. finished. But I plan to write another one with a completely different setting. And um, right, in, right in the middle of the Long Island Sound between um, Long Island and Connecticut, I'm creating an island. And, um, you know, it'll be a whole different set of characters because I just felt I need a new, cha- I need a change, you know, because in Cozy's you're writing with the same characters, basically. Yeah, never over overstay your welcome when it comes to mm-hmm. a book. Um, I've, I've I've read several of them in series uh, where you could tell that the writer has has really died out on writing the character, mm-hmm. but the but the um, publisher wants him to keep going. <laughs> or right, or they won't give up the series because you know the writer won't give up the series. But you're right, very few people end it. But but this is something I decided to do. I agree with you I because sometimes I wish they would end it before they even start. 
It's really sad. <laughs> I mean, you, you create you create a character, and then after a while, you lose track of the plot. And some of the publishing companies, I won't see which ones, want them to continue like that. Just write the mm-hmm. character with a whole different plot, and it gets to be like, oh, I, I usually figure out who did it at the end of the first chapter. Yeah, it's not you a problem. You want things to yeah. be fresh, and I and yeah. you know something, I know from you know having so many friends who are writers. We come up with so many ideas. There's never mm-hmm. a shortage of ideas and, and ideas for new series. So you know, I, um, I found that very interesting considering I went to a convention once when I was younger with a panel of writers who did nothing but complain about coming up with ideas. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Um, because I, some of my friends write three and four series, and you know what's so interesting also is that so many that so many of them who write are writing cozies they they're they're, in, they're writing suspense you know and i i believe that we we have two genres within us mm-hmm. i know my yeah. other genre is writing for children but i believe we have two genres or two sub genres within within ourselves as writers hi david is hello? that you hello yes yeah, me i'm so glad it's hello? you hi it's me hey, can you hear me we we're Welcome. talking about yeah, yeah. um how you created your character of like Bruno Johnson? He's very unique. How do you decide where to send him, and what happens when he tries to return? Because we're talking about how how your main character stays fresh. So that's my question to you, so far. Um, <laughs> I, I try I try to keep my 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 character continues to evolve throughout the uh, series, and yeah, I try does. to keep him fresh with a different. Without with a different the, the incidents that I put him through, so he has a different challenge each time, um, and I try to make it dissimilar from the other ones. Trust me, they are, and Scorned is fantastic. I can't wait to talk about that next month. Yes. Well, and thank you. For some reason, I had it down today at one o'clock. The thing was at one o'clock. I, I don't <laughs> know what happened. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only person who gets things mixed up. Oh, 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 don't 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 feel bad. What can I say? That's why I emailed you to make sure that you heard me. Right. So yeah. Marilyn, this this is so cool because Carrie, she has a unique way of getting involved. How does Carrie become involved in the murder? And what was the first one that she ever became involved in? Well, the first one was when she first began. Um, uh, she began in her new job as a. Um, as the head of programs and events in the library, and there was a speaker, a retired lieutenant mm-hmm. of a homicide, who had flubbed the case. Um, he was drinking, etc., and he makes this announcement that he has he has solved this cold case that he was working on 15 years ago, and the um, whole family is there. They're having a whole presentation, and he dies right in front of everyone, and that is the initial death. Well, the second death, because the first death was never solved. So I have these two deaths to be solved. And she gets to know the family, and she gets involved mm. with many other things. And that's, she feels guilty, you know, because her boss told her not to go ahead with the program, but she did anyway. And so that's how Death Overdue became. You know, that was the, that was the first book in the series. Well, what happens when your character, like David, is a, is a police officer, a cop, or Bruce is a cop? What happens when a person that's not a police officer becomes involved in the murder? How do you deal with that? Like somebody like Harry, 
that gets involved in the murder, like okay. a Jessica Fletcher kind of thing? What do you do? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, okay, Carrie, Carrie's boyfriend, who eventually becomes her fiancé, he's an investigator, and that's mm. another issue. But um, she, um, get, she first meets the, the, um, the cop in the, in the, who runs, you know, in the, in the town, um, and she thinks she finds him very severe and very off-putting, you know. And she mm-hmm. she feels yeah. she feels he won't work with her. But he they have a they have a good relationship. Um, they first of all they become socially friendly. And it's a small town. And her uncle her, she um, she's very close to her great aunt and uncle. And they are good friends with um, John Mathers and his wife Sylvia. You know the the um, the lieutenant and his wife, and um, he he's 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 very fond of Carrie, and um, she is very supportive of of him, and she tries not to step on his feet, but he knows that she will find out information because people will tell her things that they won't tell him, and mm. and she and she gets a little annoyed very often. The information goes one way and not the other. And in one of the books, I have an investigative reporter, a TV investigative reporter, and she keeps attacking John for not solving this old murder that, that they discover at somebody's body. And um, she's very supportive of him. And, um, you know, she, she, she does work with this woman eventually, but um, she's well aware that, you know, John is, is the policeman and he is, you know, he's in charge of the case and she will give what information she can. And definitely she does find out many things he can't. David, how does Bruno stay so unique? His family is based in Costa Rica, so what caused him to have to leave America? And yet he takes a chance by leaving. How do do you create that? I got really nervous in the last one, let me tell you. And this one, too. Bruce Goyne, oh, my God. Seriously. Yeah. uh, The difficult part with Bruno is is the motivation of getting him to leave Costa Rica because... He is a family man, and he's trying to hide that. Yeah. So the contrast between um, the Bruno of old and the family man Bruno, I think, helps keep the, the series fresh as well. And the motivation to get him uh, from Costa Rica to go back to the United States. And uh, that's the last book, The Banquet, the, the Scorn is the last book that this happens in. The next two books are set entirely in Costa Rica. This is this is scorned, and then there's one that comes afterwards, right? That that, yeah, that you write diabol- after. Diabolical. Yeah, diabolical. I can't a wait. Year from, a year from next month. Yeah, diabolical. I know. That's so sad that but, I have to wait a whole year. Tim, no, Dark Creatures. <laughs> the, you know, I read his book, and it's like, oh, my God. I, I could see the players playing. In Dark Creatures, <laughs> how did you create the game between the two main characters and how can human gods be pieces of chess boards? I stopped playing chess after that, seriously. <laughs> well, um, I was just, you know, I sat down and started to, to think about, you know, life itself and its situations when I was designing the book. And, um, mm. you know, it is kind of like a, a, ch- a game of, of sorts life is in, in general, in which case, mm. you know, whatever moves you make um, change your perspective or your situation. And and there's the, the the major game that's out there right now that, that allows you to do that would be chess. So I I just kind of associated that with what was going on with in, in the book. That's how I designed the the, uh, the game itself. Um, the gods themselves, along with the humans that are involved in the whole situation, mm. um, 
I actually picked. I actually started by picking out some of the ones that aren't used generally um, uh, in in fantasy books or or dark fantasy books or anything like that. Um, in which case, um, it's it's kind of like when you're watching um, a Star Trek episode and you, if you see them watching four mm. play four dimensional chess. <laughs> it's, it's, mm. a, it's a lot of fun that way. <laughs> you know what I like about Bruce's books is that John is so moral, right? He doesn't do right. anything that a cup shouldn't do. So does that does that mirror how you were when you were the, when you were in a, a police detective? You just you know just do it so that you know that you buy the book, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he one of the things that he has in common with me was that he has a tendency to push back uh, when he mm-hmm. thinks you know something's not kosher and yeah. uh, and that may that may come off to you, to your viewer as irreverent. But I think that that's that's always the stress with every job, not just police work, mm. is that you know the difference between what's right and what isn't, and it's and it actually takes some effort and pushback sometimes to make sure that you stay true to your own morals. And I think that's the one thing, even though John has his own foibles, that to me makes him a, a fun character to root for. Then what happens when you have a character like any any police officer or any main character? That turns out to be corrupt. That drives me crazy. When they when they automatically arrest the the police officer or the cop decides to break the rules, how do you avoid doing that? Because a lot of books that I'm getting, they do that a lot, and then I get really put off when the police officer takes graft or uh, says if you do if you give do this, I will let you go or plea bargain. How do you avoid that in your book? Well, I actually have a re- reoccurring character that that is uh, that guy, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, everybody, everybody's waiting for me to do him in, and uh, but, I, yeah. but he's actually a good he's a good spoil because it's nice to have. You know, you talked about having having that conflict uh, in different scenarios, and and the nice thing about having an officer like that that's always straddling that line and the storyline is that mm-hmm. he any scene he's in it already has conflict built in. Because you don't know what he's going to do. Sometimes he does the right thing. Uh, sometimes he does the thing that's, that's the easiest for him or the most profitable for him. So, uh, And John's aware of him. So the, the two of them sort of stand off from each other. Hey, well, Bruno's sort of like both ways, right, David? He's sort of like he does what he wants to do, and then he doesn't do it. He does, what how, does it however he wants, right? Well, Bruno, he, um, I love Bruno. he was a cop. He, he wanted to... Uh, help the children, and he couldn't because of all the rules yeah. and regulations. Now that he's an ex-con, uh, ex-cop, he knows the he knows the right way to do it, but it doesn't get the job done, so now he goes outside the law to rescue the children. So what he does is morally correct, um, but it's legally uh, wrong. I know, and I know it's, it's scary. So do you ever find that the reader doesn't connect with the main character? Or do most of your most readers connect with the main character and identify with something about the character trait that makes them want to read more of the character? Go ahead. I think that people um, who like our series read our series, and mm-hmm. the people who don't just won't. Um, I mean, you, you do read, I mean, if you ever read your reviews, which I don't at this point, um, you know, <laughs> oh, Carrie is this, right? She is this, she is that. And, and people read, some readers anyway, they read into it what they want to see or, uh-huh. you know, 
Well, we're getting into reviews, you know, people who, you know, interpret things any way they want to. Yeah. But I think that the people who like our characters will continue to read our characters, and that's the good thing about series. Go ahead, Bruce. (laughs) Even even those bad reviews, Marilyn, it means they're reading the books. That's great, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, oh, she's selfish. She's this. She's stupid. Okay, so um, just you know, that's it. But you know, I always, yeah. I, I, I always, I think I stopped reading reviews when I finally I got I don't know a one or a two. I tell people that means you're you're really an author now. But I I went to a few of like Laura Lipman and different people like that, and I saw, gee, they have ones and twos. Gee, I mean, mm-hmm. not many. None of us have that many, but, you know, it's just <laughs> par for the course. It's just something you have to put up with, you know, something like that. Yeah, I got one like for that. Dark Creatures because I don't think they understood what I wrote. And <laughs> I got a couple of threes, a couple of fours, one or two fives, and this one person gave me one, a one, so she didn't read it. She just said, I didn't understand that it. it's not worth it, the paper it's written on. I didn't even answer that. I could have called Amazon mm-hmm. to have them take it off, but... I, I said, I'll take that as a compliment, how brilliant she's not. They didn't understand what the book was about, and I, I really didn't care. So how does this my, setting my char- go on? Well, my, my, my character is African-American, and I actually get some hate mail saying, how yeah. dare you uh, you can write a, a black oh. character. Oh, another yeah, yeah, that's appropriation. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, I agree. I Oh, that, that infuriates me. <laughs> yeah. I don't like racism in a book at all. I can't stand that. So well, it depends. Though, it, if you're yeah, writing sometimes in the you time need it, sometimes period where not. it's prevalent, yeah. if you're writing in a time period where it's prevalent, then it fits. Um, it, yeah. And and I, I think it's a disservice to um, the time period that you're writing in if you don't mm-hmm. include some yeah. of that. I mean, right? Exactly. That's what. That's how the thinking was. And it, you're not praising those people who are making no. those comments. You're just yeah. showing. You're just. Mm-hmm. I, I had something recent, and I guess I I react. You know, our our editors are so cautious. I wrote that um, a woman was Chinese, and um, mm-hmm. my editor changed it to Asian, and I got annoyed. You know, what is? I, and I wrote, no, she's. You know, I, then I put her name in at first, so she would see it. I said, she's. This, you know, she's Chinese, and she's not Asian because she's American. You know, she was in the United States. And, um, you know, they're always trying to, um, I don't know, you, you know, make us politically correct and because they're so afraid of some kind of a reaction. Well, read Paper Names. That's the book I'm reading now. And the, the uh, author is Chinese. And oh. she's. They, they, and they keep saying that she's Asian, and she says, no, I'm Chinese. Good. And Good for even, her. Right. And, right. Even, and even the character says, my name an English name, Tammy, because the people can't pronounce her Chinese name, and they sort of, like, hamper her, and her father always put her down until her father realized she's smarter than him, and without him, <laughs> without her, she wouldn't have gotten ahead, so I said, yeah, good. she went to a nail place, and the people in the nail place are Chinese, and at first they weren't sure, and they said, we have rules, we have rights, you're who you are, and you need to say you're who you, who you are, and I thought that was fantastic. The book is interesting, it's different. So, um, getting back to the original question, though, um, yeah. unless Bruce wants has something else to say, I don't want to cut him off or anything. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> um, I don't really have a problem with with um, with people and with my characters as as much mm-hmm. as 
um, I have a problem with writing um, a side character too well. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I've had, you do very well, Jerk Job. <laughs> well, maybe people, he's ready for his own series. Yeah, I've had people who actually, in, in Dark Creatures, the series, for instance, in the first book, I wrote a side character that I had to make a, a major side character because people liked them. It's so, so good, though. It's <laughs> so good. But you see that in television. Sometimes you, know, you they, like the side too. character better than the main character, too. It's more interesting. Like Rhoda <laughs> with an offshoot of Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. You mm-hmm. see things like that. Well, I miss so Betty I try to White. be careful with that these days. <laughs> yeah, I know. So does your character ever make bad decisions? And does that ever hamper the investigation that you want to take the characters? And how did you do that? What is wrong with you? You messed up? Yes, of course. I think I think we have to show that our characters are, you know, are fallible, and they, you know, they're only human. We <laughs> think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, if, gonna, if, yeah go ahead, Bruce. Go if ahead. If, if the character makes really boneheaded decisions, then you, it might yeah. cost me out of the book because they're, you know, it's just too too crazy for them to do that. Well, sometimes they really do. Like I said, I read too many books, so I do know. That sometimes yeah, I wonder. I, I can't stand when I get beaten up all the time. You know, when the main character <laughs> is like dead by the end of the book, and, and and you know they're smart and they get they fall into traps all the time. So, how do you create? This is the most important character in the book, the bad guy. How do you create the villain? And is the villain a multi-dimensional character with understandable motives? Did the villain ever have a real reason for what they did? Because they're so cool. Well, with Doug in Dark Creatures, he definitely has a motivation. His motivation is his, is, is his psychology. He believes that the entire world yeah. against him. He's a psychopath. He's um, That's so he went cool. from a sociopath to a psychopath. So he believes everything that goes wrong in his in his life isn't his fault. It's somebody else's. It's the world <laughs> in general. He sounds like some so people he, I know. <laughs> so he's generally striking out and doing his thing um, out of out of his own psychosis. That is really cool. Would have been anybody um, else? Did your villain justify what he does and say, "How could you arrest me? I didn't really mean to do it." The problem with the villain is that if you make him too evil, he turns into yeah. a caricature. So, the yeah. in my third book, um, I gave him too much humanity. Oh no, in the second book, I gave him too much humanity, which is a flaw mm-hmm. for an evil person. And so, in the third book, I killed him off, and the publisher goes, "No." We like them. You got to bring them back. So I had, re- I, had re- I had to rewrite the third book because the character liked the humanity that I gave him in the second book. So you got to be careful with that too. Yeah, definitely. Well, my characters um, are never pure. I mean, they're not. They don't come across as as evil villains. They, they you think they're just one of the ordinary people in the book. But then, of course, you, you learn about their stories and why they are killing and what's motivating them. So it's really an ex- – it, it, they, they, they come across as ordinary people just like everyone else, but it's when you learn about them that, you, you know, you realize that they're doing bad things by killing people. A great example of that would be uh, there's a show on Netflix now called The Pale Blue Eye. It's got a, I'm not mm-hmm. going to give away the ending, but it's got a Excellent. great example of that. Oh, I read the book. I haven't yet seen the series. Yeah. Excellent. No, the classic example of a twist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an example Definitely. of a twist. Yeah. 
I've done that a couple of times, Fran, where I've taken the antagonist uh, mm-hmm. and, and really given given them a what would be in in their mind at least a noble reason for what they've done. Um, they're trying to do the right thing, but they they know they're they're obviously committing mortal sin in order to accomplish that goal. So I, I to me I find that fun because it's a more complex way of doing it, and it adds a human element so that they don't become a character. And it's also really fascinating to watch someone's mind work that way when you're reading it. <laughs> mm. yeah. Did you never found? I mean, you don't never we found all justify a... things, you know, every day? Oh yeah, right, of course. But you never you know. got an email that said, "I wish you would kill off the main character." Ever. Oh no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I've, I've, no. I've thought no. about it, but before I forget, <laughs> tomorrow, Dr. Christina Laporte, we hope, we hope, will be there at 2 p.m. special time dissection you don't want to know how the three kinds of heart dissections are it's just scary the 23rd the author of chaos in carnegie hall on the 25th i get to show off my reading skills uh becoming a reading specialist with my professor george cavuto and i going to talk about he's going to do the assessment and i get to tell you how to remediate the child with reading difficulties he's going to keep me on my toes and on the 26th what better way to end January than with Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child, the cabinet of Dr. Ling, and I have to remind him on the 30th, Matt Quayle, he's going to do a Doomsday Legacy. And don't forget David Putnam on February 7th for his book. And there's a whole bunch a coming up. Yeah, this is really, yeah, not bad, right? <laughs> not bad at all. I really hope she does this tomorrow because I've been looking forward to it. So, is your main character ever a target for murder? Do they ever go after the main character and say, this, this person's, you know, like, I want to kill him no matter what? Especially Bruno. I guess he's he's one of those that they want to get rid of. Well, they try to, but they can't. They better not. Yeah, Bruno, is, um, half of Bruno is submerged in the criminal world. So yeah. those, that overflows into his private life. And some of the people that he dealt with in the past, uh, want to get even. Well, how do you decide what he's going to do and, and the case he's going to take? Because the last one was like, oh my God, I'm not sure he should take that. And yet, how does Maria feel about when he takes these cases? Well, she, like my publisher says, you can't keep having a, a motivation uh, strong enough to get him to leave his 12 yeah. kids in Costa Rica to go back to the United States. That's why the scorn is the last one, and the rest, the other ones, are going to be set in, entirely in Costa Rica. So, yeah, Marie does not want him to go at all. But in the scorn, I think that I gave him a strong enough motivation to go. The doctor um, that saved Mar- yeah, baby and Marie's life, I asked him for a favor. So he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, and he has to go back. I know, and then what happens really got me upset. It was a box of tissues after that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so if you're going to take place in Costa Rica, are the children going to have any part of it? Because some of those kids are really cool. Yeah, although there's always, um, uh, when I get too too going on the Bruno side of the story, I, I yeah. use a juxtaposition of the children, and I bring them in to cool off the story a little bit um, and slow yeah. it down. And so the children are always a, a big factor in, in the books. They're my favorite part of the book, especially the oldest I think that's one. nice because so often you don't see children in uh, yeah. adult movie, book, you know, mysteries. 
Yeah. And you don't, but you usually see a kid that man. gets in trouble or something like that, and then yeah. I get really yeah. upset because not everybody, not every teen is bad, and not every, right. not, not all that. the young teens. I know because and nieces believe, and nephews are perfect. <laughs> I, and I don't believe in putting the, the family in jeopardy all the time because yeah, I, tired I know of that's so, what I'm saying. I, I did that one time, and then I walked away from it. I, it doesn't happen again. Um, but most of the time, he just goes and gets down on the floor and plays with the kids, and they have games and that kind of thing. And it's, I try to make it as well yeah. as possible. Well, I my hate main when they kill off a child, a, and I, no. I can't stand when they kill off a dog, too. Or an <gasps> oh, see, that's a no-no. In, um, you cannot do that in a cozy. You cannot kill Can a I, child or an it? animal. Yeah. That, goes, that drives me crazy. I can't stand that. In the, now, one my of the main two books I just read, they killed off a dog, and I cried. I said, oh, how could you do that to that poor little animal? It's so cute. Yeah. My main character is actually a teenager, so my biggest fear was not writing teenager enough, considering I'm nowhere near a teenager anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't grown up then. To just ask me, and I'll tell you how to be a teenager. <laughs> it's not. Just, just ask my nieces and nephews. They said she just hasn't grown up. So a great thriller delivers an ending that sticks the reader with, how can that happen? Do you ever get, do people, do, do people ever figure out who did it? I try, I, sometimes I do. How do you create the ending where people are going to say, oh, my God, you have to be kidding? Well, I, I, all of your books give me eye strain because I sit down and just read them. So how do you create an ending and a middle especially so that no one wants to put the book down and they can't wait for the next one? <laughs> that middle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do it because I don't know who's going to be the, the crook until the end. Mm-hmm. I just give everybody motivations, and then I, I twist it at the end as best I can. And the Sinister really worked out probably my yeah. best twist because um, it twists twice at the end, and I, I had not planned that at all. And that's the one I was really happy with. I, I think you're right. You have to give everyone a yeah. motivation to be, um, and and I I'm glad to hear from so many people that they they don't guess who the murderer is, is till the very end. And actually, <laughs> I I tie up my my mystery a little bit before the end because the very end usually has to do with Carrie's personal life and um, yeah. yeah and and the characters in the book. Well, again, this is a cozy, but this is what I enjoy doing because I like to write about my characters' relationships. Well, is she going to marry Dylan ever, or is this going to be one of those? Were well, you going to make me guess in quite? No, no, end? they 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 are getting married at the end of the book that I'm writing, but that's why I'm ending it. Then I thought, well, and she even says they're they're sort of on it. They're all, they're sort of solving. At one point, they're going after something together, and he says, mm-hmm. well, this, you know, this is like Mr. and Mrs. North, and. Um, I thought, gee, I could always go into a, you know, making them a couple, solving mysteries, mm-hmm. but that's really not what I'm thinking right now. I mean, I don't, wa- I don't want to do that. Do you have a title for the seventh one? No, um, titles is another subject. I, I don't pick my <laughs> titles. Um, I don't know about you guys, but um, I think I picked one or two titles, and what I do when they want to have... Um, they need a title, something that has something to do with libraries or books. Mm-hmm. I throw. I, I I have a, a group of very very close friends. We've been together about 20 years, and we, and you know, we all write cozies. And um, they throw. I, I have a. They give me a long list, and sometimes they pick a book, a title from there. Somehow they came up with a title for the seventh book that's coming out in the fall in October, and um, I didn't like it. 
and um, and I told them so. Well, they just came up with another title that I liked that we hadn't thought of, and that was fine. So I don't have very much to do with titles. And in Cozy World, it's the title is a pun. It's always yeah. a pun. So and, uh, somebody once wrote, oh, and the title has nothing to do with the book. No fooling. It's just really, you know, a play on words. So m- more than anything else. Well, they have to read my review because I always find the t- I always find a clue to your title for the book too. You know that. It's just they're just not looking far enough, people. Uh-huh. So, how do you create an ending that that's an ending, or do you ever have an ending that's an open ending, letting the reader know we're not done yet? I, I've done that. I did that on uh, on my second Byron novel. I yeah. intentionally inserted. Uh, it was a it was a minor thing, but it was it was part of uh, as Marilyn pointed out the personal aspect during the wind down of the story, and I left the reader hanging uh, that that uh, Diane Joyner had made it made a decision about uh, whether or not to take the promotion, and and John just looks at her and that's the end of the story, <laughs> and so my the first yeah. thing my editor did when he read the rough draft was does she take the promotion. And I said, what are you, special? I said, you have to wait like everybody else. I, like, oh. <laughs> and, I remember uh, it worked. that. It really worked. Yep. I, I, yeah, I, I like that. that. Yeah, I usually well, leave a, a, hanging, a... a hanging ending, usually. And I, and, Did you ever I'm, put I'm your book in I... a different time okay. period? Like the the one I'm reading by President Lincoln Child comes out in parallel universes. Do you ever go back in time or time travel or poet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I have a book. I have something in the one I'm writing. Um, Harry discovers a um, a diary that was written by someone that was um, hung as a witch, and oh, um, cool. Connecticut had 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 um, this have happened before Salem, before Salem Mass. So um, I have that. I bring that in, and and it's so funny. You know how once you write about something, and then you you hear about it on the news, and you know mm-hmm. you read different people. And I was just watching. Um, I can't remember his name. That he he always goes into people's pasts. Um, um, who were you? It's on Channel Twenty One, and um, he discovered that two. Of the and these were actors and actresses. I, I, one actor, one actress. And I can't remember who they were. They both had um, people in their family that were tried as witches, because mm-hmm. he's able to go way back in the past. So it was just—it's just like very freakish when you, you know, you put something in your book and then, oh my God, you, you're reading about it or hearing it on television. Yeah, I actually have, have written in my books um, about Roanoke, Virginia. Um, that the oh, Roanoke mm-hmm. Company was actually really quite cool to to research when I was writing about that. And then I've crossed dimensions too. So <laughs> that, that is scary. I, but you know, it gets confusing sometimes. Um, I understand that they can go back in time, but if you're going to do that, at least say past, present, because when they change page in the middle of the same chapter in a paragraph and go like wait a minute weren't you just here just before how did you get back there and it's 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 scary yeah but, so but yeah but you, you i you have a risk when you do that because I'm, i have another series that just started yeah and the first one's called the fearsome moonlight black and it's set in mm-hmm. 1983 and then at the second half of the book it, it comes back mm-hmm. up to current day and i had a lot of uh, readers say I wanted to stay back in the past because they, they enjoyed yeah. that, yeah, that yeah. so much. So, so you got to be careful when you do that. 
That is. Yeah, people true fall in love with, with plot lines and storylines like that. You have to be careful what you're right. And I agree with you, Bruce. We have to remember that a lot of people are just reading it, and sometimes they don't quite get what they're reading. Trust me, I know that <laughs> also. And also, when you said about reviews before, a lot of people don't, they're just, just reading them. They don't quite understand it, or they're just saying, I like the book because it was good. That's not a review, people. That's an opinion. And that's we'll what bothers it, me with Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what makes that it, that's what gets me upset with Ooh. Amazon. It's like, you know, how about Someone somebody phone, like myself that's credible? I, I get all so I've been getting a lot of emails from them that yeah, your review yeah. is very Can you helpful. Yeah. Go ahead, I Bruce. Mean, what? Yeah, that's fine. People, that was David. Oh, David, sorry. <laughs> what was that? What did you say? I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Never mind. Hello? I thought somebody else was trying to talk. So. <laughs> oh. No, no, no I, I wasn't. The hardest part for me, the hardest part is I was picking, is going over to the computer and typing on it and praying that the review doesn't disappear. Seriously. Um as a matter of fact, when I wrote accusations, it's a good thing I saved it 27 times because the computer didn't like my story, I guess. I don't know. Very uh-huh. sad. That, that just but happened. I'm a, I'm How do you decide what you... So, so I'll take any on. review. Anyone wants to give me. <laughs> That's the hardest part about being a self-published. I don't mind a bad review if they're telling me you know, what I wrote or they disagree with another story or the storyline or something. But when they write, I didn't understand what you wrote, you know, why don't you go back to school and learn how to read? So oh, sad. yes. You know, that's trolling. That's something different. Oh, that, that, yeah. That's, yeah. There's an awful lot like that. So yes, how there do you is. Just, how do you decide what to write about? The hardest thing is, like, how do you decide the next murder? Well, how do you decide the next plot line before we have a few minutes before we end? How do you decide that next plot line for your character so that I read the book and I go like, oh, this is different. Oh, my God, this person's getting into something brand new, especially you, Tim. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with the third one. <laughs> um, well, actually, it, it can be a bit tough. I already have know what I want to do with, with uh, Dark Creatures World on Ending. It's just getting there. That's the interesting part. Since I, never, I never really do a lot of outlining. So, um, <laughs> I, 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 I just, my you know, that's so interesting. I just wrote my, my blog for tomorrow, a few, a few thoughts on plotting. And I talk about how I turned into, from a plotter to a quasi panther. <laughs> so I yeah, agree. So, so, um, I find that actually, I find if I, if I go out and do a huge extensive, um, outline that I could become bored with what I'm writing. So I kind of like mm-hmm. to be surprised with, along with the reader. <laughs> but, no, I um, agree with um, you. So it's not really, once I get into the book, it's not really hard for me to follow the flow of where I want to go to to a point. It's starting it. It's where the, where, it's where the starting point is. It's always hard for me. It's, it's what, what's what's going to grab people the most? Who, which character to use when I start? Stuff like that. You know, a lot of reviewers tell me, and I don't listen to them ever because I listen to only myself in the review, is that they'll read the book, and if they get bored after the first page, they won't read the book, but they don't give it a chance. And that's what bothers me. That's why sometimes a good prologue or a good first paragraph scares the daylights out of you. And, of course, I'll finish the book in an hour and a half. No, really. I could do 400 pages. I could do three books in a day, but I'm trying not to. So do you ever find that um, that first paragraph, how do you figure out how to write it so that the reader says, I'm not putting this down until I find out what happened? That's the hardest thing. Well, I, I, I start a book by having three plot lines. I don't do any outlining. 
once mm-hmm. I establish my three plot lines that I do scene sequencing through the entire book, I'll do three scenes on one plot line and three scenes on another plot line. And I, I open the book with, I use five things that a scene needs to work. And I, I basically I write by the numbers. So if something's not working for me, I go back and look and see where I was, uh, had a deficit in one of those five things. Well, that, that's hard. Yeah. But you, you guys make it look so easy. <laughs> David, how do you decide what to write for the first paragraph? Well, the first six pages are, are your most critical, um, and, and yeah. the editor, editor and agent will tell you that. Um, so you needed a good opening line, and when I'm at Barnes and Nobles and I'm selling I'm selling the books at book signings, I tell people to open the first book and read the first page. And yeah. if I get them up to the table and and they read that first page, I have like a seventy percent chance of closing because that that page is so dynamic. And um, I I. I try to pet the head of the dog, which is, I think, critical, which means endear the mm-hmm. character immediately to the reader. And you want to relate to the reader as mm-hmm. well. And that's why Stephen King is so popular, because he relates to such a broad audience with his mm-hmm. children, his, his, his points of view. And so I take a little bit of that, and I try to do the same thing with mine. Yeah, I also found that the ending, that the back of the book or the, or, the, uh, or the hook that you try to get, that you write on the back of the book to get people interested in it can also play yeah. a big part in, in people picking up that book, too. Um, I've run that's, into several people who will look at the back of a book. It won't even open. They'll look at the back of the book, and if it doesn't interest them, they'll put it away. You mean the summary? The summary in the back yeah, of the, the book? Yeah, the summary, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, depends on how, it depends on how it's written. Um, the one that they yeah, but you don't know he's writing. I just... Yeah. I just had. I insisted on. Well, they now they sent me the 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 copy to to go over, but my publisher would just do it, you know. And I felt that one time they gave away too much of the plot. That's so, exactly true. So after, after I, Hansen, I never really get mad, but I did about that. And um, after this time, I just went over. They sent it to me. They sent me the flap copy, and I just. I went over it like, like an editor. <laughs> I, yeah, had just been, I just been edited, but this was editing their flop, flop copy. So it's you even don't worse want to when, do the, that. when the when the book jacket tells you who killed the person. Iris Johansson's mm-hmm. book had not come out yet, and I, I read them before they come out. And I emailed the uh, editor and I said, "You better do something about the book jacket because I can tell you who did it." And they really, they really messed up. Oh, she had a fit, but we we took care of it. But and you shouldn't okay, care so much. Yeah. Yeah. So where do we get? Where do we find out about everybody and what's next, um, Bruce? What's next for you? And where can everybody get all of your books and more? Uh, you can uh, you can go to my website brucerobertcoffin.com, or you can go to my Severn River page uh, and see mm-hmm. about the new series that I'll be writing with uh, Lindy Walker. The, I'm gonna uh, have to first do that. book in the series is uh, tentatively titled The General's Gold. And mm. um, like I say, uh, all of those books uh, should are slated to uh, start dropping early next year. Well, I hope I get a copy to review and I interview both of you. That's just a hint. We'll make sure <laughs> you do. <laughs> okay, so, um, Tim, what's next for you? And when am I getting the next one? Well, um, the next book is Dark Creatures, World's End Ending. I'm already into Chapter 3. <laughs> the, oh, good. Uh, That's good. We're getting there. Yep. yep. The, uh, the, end of the, the, um, the book probably will come out by the end of 2023, I'm hoping. Um, uh, you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or on my website, which is www.thedarkcreatures.com. And, David, what's next for you after Scorned? Oh, I love that book. I'm going to tell you. You've got to read it, people. Seriously. <laughs> 
This, after this scoring is a book called The Diabolica with uh, Bruno Johnson, and that's a year from February that, that, that when it, it comes out. I have to wait. A year. Have a Do you have another series, series or anything? Yeah, yeah, I have a second series with uh, Dave Beckett, and it came out October, and that's called A Fearsome Moonlight Black. And then that one, the publisher just agreed the second book on that one, and that one is called A Lonesome Blood Red Sun, and that'll come out uh, next October. Oh, you got to tell me because I didn't read the first one. And uh, okay, Marilyn, well, I'll, I'll send you one. Send me one, yeah, because I need something good to read. I'm getting so, oh, so sad. <laughs> and book mail better bring my books, people. And Marilyn, what's when is your next one coming out? You said okay, October, right? Okay, oh, you guys are the first to hear. I believe the title's going to be Overdue or Die, which I liked, and that's the oh, seventh good, I book. I love that. Yeah, I didn't like what they had initially, what they sent me. And um, that's coming out October 3rd. And um, one of my kids' books, Rufus and Magic Run Amok, which was a children's choice, which came out many years ago, um, I have a a four-book series. And so that book is supposed to be coming out in April. I haven't heard a word from my publisher, but but it's, it's already, you know, it's in good shape. So that's supposed to be out the beginning of April. And you well, can, yeah. So it's a fun book. It's 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 about a boy, and I wrote it before Harry Potter. It's a boy who finds out he's he's a he's a witch, but he doesn't want to tell his par anyone because his mother and aunt and grandmother are all good witches, and he's going to have to take courses and ha- how to be a good witch. So he, the magic <laughs> grows and goes amok, and um, so that's coming out. And you could I'm on MarilynLevinson.com. That's my website, and on I'm, I'm on Amazon at, and Facebook and stuff like that. Well, I want to thank everybody for cheering me up today. Seriously, brightened my day. Yeah, I, I need. I, I can't thank tell you. you. I just needed cheering up today, and I said, "Yo, this is going to be like so much fun." It was. So whenever your new books come out, and for those of you that don't know, Faces Behind the Stones, Accusations, I braved it. It came out January 2nd. I have a couple mm-hmm. of five-star reviews, and I'm going, and it's a great on book. A, I'm going on a virtual tour starting April 24th with Partners in Crime. Yes, they do. Oh, very good. good for you, Frank. Yes, they will. But I work for them. They better be nice to me, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they do. I do pay for my tour. Sweater. I yell a lot. And, um... Thank you so much, everybody. It's a beautiful day outside. Everybody, think positive. Think great. Great new new books. I'm so excited. Thank you very much. And bye. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you, Fran. Bye bye. Thank you, Fran. Bye everyone. Bye bye.